Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. Now you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. Well, she's right. She's right. It, it's not over. It's just over for her. <laughs> you know, and I'm she, sad she's about exact, it. She you was, are exactly who she was talking about, Murphy, you cynical yeah, bastard. Yeah, falling over myself with my CW. And, you know, I... I was there. I was doing the kind of shoe leather reporting that uh, we do here in Hex on Tap. I was in New Hampshire for the requisite media pundocracy 48 hours. Um, and it was grim. It was very grim. And, uh, you know, all you have to do is listen, and we probably have it. I don't know if we even want to play it, Trump's victory speech. but No, we're going to do some of that. We're absolutely going to do it because there's reason to do it. I mean, obviously, her her plan, her hope, Outlined here by Mike Murphy for months was she, you know, finishes second in Iowa. Go ahead. Go ahead. She finishes second in Iowa. She surprises Trump in New Hampshire. And then she goes back to South Carolina with uh, a lot of mojo and momentum. Uh, She didn't finish second in Iowa. She lost by double digits in New Hampshire. And the question is, should she go on to South Carolina? Well, I would argue, no, I've got a Substack I wrote last night that's up. I think I'm like Mike Murphy 96, wherever the hell the Substack handle is, and I tweeted it. Look, yeah, and you're right. I always thought the way to beat Trump was beat him in New Hampshire and then beat him in South Carolina. One, two punch. Very hard to do, but that would have knocked him out of, I think, uh, the commanding position nomination he probably would have lost. And by the end of last year, to her credit, with an assist from an incredibly mediocre field of competition, Haley kind of stumbled to winning the preseason. So she had the shot, and I think she could have won the New Hampshire primary, but she she did all the New Hampshire stuff wrong and just turned out to be the vessel of cranky non-Republican voters and, you know, a few, maybe 25% of the primary vote, and that wasn't enough. Though I will say in the secret Hacks on Tap text channel that the world will never see, Yes. I think I was finally getting a prediction right, saying 10 to 11 points. Well, yes. well, other numbers like 17 to 22 points were bandied yes, yes. around I, I from admit that. I admit that frequent I readers of polling. pay too much attention to, I guess, one way to soften the blow of a hard defeat is to, um, is to outperform the final, egg, the final uh, tracking polls that were even worse than the, what, what you ultimately did and so she can take some solace in that when your victory speech in a two-person race includes the phrase uh to much cheering that you got almost half of the vote yeah in a two-person uh, race you are you are tracking <laughs> yeah. you are tracking to not winning the race <laughs> there were two of us and i got the <laughs> silver Yes, yes, I mean yes. it's uh, <laughs> right. I, if if we didn't have copyright infringements, we'd add in a little Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights uh, <laughs> to sort of sum this whole thing up. But look, I, I I have a little bit of an alternative view, I guess, on why she might be staying in, and and I would say with a caveat, I'm interested to to know whether she'll be in this race in a week. I, I don't know right. whether. Yeah, I'm dubious. 
I'm not surprised that she came out last night and and notice she came out really early before the numbers got like a little bit farther apart. She came out. I thought her speech was actually pretty good. She sort of outlined it all, which is what drove Trump crazy. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. But I think the alternative view here is, you know, we talk about beginning of March as being super Tuesday. It's also when Trump really gets into the criminal side of these 91 indictments. And I, I think you could make the case, and I bet somebody's making the case oh, to yeah. Nikki Haley. Stay in this race, accumulate yeah. delegates. Nobody right. else is accumulating delegates right now. Right. If Trump, you know, hits hits a big pothole in in April or whenever, she's got delegates. She can they, they yeah. can go to no, the convention last night, eight to twelve. You know, but yeah. but you're right, Robert. And I'm sure there are a bunch of finance guys staying, stay in, stay in, hold the ticket. Why not? What does it cost you to get out? We're fund a minimal campaign. And you never know. He might have four meatloaves tonight. You know what I'm saying? So she's hearing a lot of that. The problem is what she's gonna get for the next week is the entire Vichy Republican establishment saying, yes. get out of the way, you're helping Biden. You're only in this because all the Democrats voted for you in New Hampshire. You're a tool of the left, and they're going to pound the hell out of her. And then she's going to go to her home state, where, by the way, a lot of the inside polls don't like her. And right. they're going to they're gonna gnaw on her like a pack of hyenas. And then she's going to lose Nevada, too, which is rigged. It's a it's a grim path. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a contest. Yeah, maybe she wins Massachusetts in in early March on Super Tuesday when a lot of the states are. The other option for her, and I, this is what I wrote, was if you want to be president, you're young. Go away. Don't join the train with DeSantis, right. or as I like to call him now, the sycophantus, uh, and Tim Ooh. Scott, who's the most embarrassing. Yeah, how you like that one? You could work uh, for the Trump team there. Thinking those things. Up. I'm in negotiations now for La Savita, though he's a cheap bastard, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, and play the long game because the Trump thing is going to end badly. The mid, if if he wins, he'll screw the midterms. Or Biden may, for all the weaknesses we talk about, beat him again, and then yeah. Nikki will be the one who warned us in four years. There's an angle for her to play it long and smart for her own interest. Now, personally, I want her to show up. I want her to take a heel. I want to bounce it off Trump's head and then put on the sleeper and save America. But I'm kidding, Secret Service. But um, I they think they got their eye on you, man. They listen to this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. I've had run ins with them before, let's just say, <laughs> during the Trump era. I'm on the list. A uh, hundred mile barrier. But anyway, so I, I, I think she'll make the noise like she did last night of the bayonet charge for a couple days. And then. Nikki's in the Nikki business, and South Carolina would be humiliation. But I'm not sure. Could and try. not that these mean a lot, but I do think you're going to see, and you saw a bit of it last night, a stampede of elected officials, members of Congress and the Senate yeah. that are getting on the right side of where they think this thing is going to end. You know, the when the GOP chair comes out and leans in on this, that's a tell because you know the Trump people are squeezing them hard. I thought it was interesting. John Cornyn, Republican from Texas. Um, member of the Senate Republican leadership who basically had said, look, I'm not getting involved in the primary, came out last night. So I think you're going to see this huge stampede. I'm not sure in the whole electoral scheme of things it means a lot. In the zeitgeist of sort of party unification, plus, let's be honest, Nikki Haley outlined, I think, a cogent case last night for why not Donald Trump in that speech. And it clearly drove him absolutely bad. Yeah, I wish I'd heard it a year ago. Yeah, yeah. No, she, listen. She she just the the in a, it was a finely calibrated calculation. She 
got to New Hampshire and recalled all the things that bothered her about Donald Trump and started reciting them, uh, you know, like a year into her campaign. But um, the one thing that she didn't mention uh, was that the guy is about to stand trial. I mean, and that's a taboo thing. You can't talk about it in the Republican primary because it's now become an emblem of a collaboration with right. the deep state to uh, to talk about that. She did put up a spot today in South Carolina. She's she's reserved four million dollars in time. Biden too old. Trump too much chaos. A rematch no one wants. There's a better choice for a better America. Her story started right here. America's youngest governor, a conservative Republican, and boy, did she deliver. It's a great day in South Carolina. Nikki Haley will cut taxes, close the border, and defeat the Chinese communist threat. America's new chapter, strong and proud. I'm Nikki Haley, and I approve this message. Yeah, you know. Murphy, let me ask you as an ad maker. Um, I could ask this of Axe too, because he's also an ad maker. For both of you, I don't know. I I mean, I know she's trying to make this distinction subtly, but in reality, the Republican base and the people that she needs to win in South Carolina and beyond, they they don't see, quote, too much chaos as being a bad thing with Donald Trump. Exactly. There's a much greater and stronger thing. I mean, Murphy, you would make something that probably said he's a dead bang loser. Well, the the he's going to lose to Joe Biden. Yeah, Trump in the Republican primary gestalt, and you know the half of the primary that Trump has, which is a plurality that's going to quickly become sixty five percent as other opponents drop out. The mentality is Trump has all the right enemies, so if you're against Trump, you're with them. So mm-hmm. it, it it is very hard to move that number. She's trying to reconnect with them in South Carolina, yeah. where she was a popular governor. The problem is she's going to get the coastal vote, the old Mark Sanford congressional yeah. district, the pastel, tasteful clothing. Even though she's from Lexington County, that's where she grew up, Columbia, which is a little closer to the single helix wing of the Republican Party. That, the base. That, that world's lined up against her, and that's, that's Trumpy. So I don't see her hook. If she had beat Trump, if she had knocked him on his ass, then she could show up in South Carolina with the, I was your governor, you know me, we did great things together, and I'm the winner and he's the loser. I'll give you a landslide against Biden, he'll give you a nail-biter. That might have worked, and that was always my one-two. Now, they're going to define her, and they've got a month, as the Democrat-fueled Biden surrogate uh, a squish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she's going to have the squish support, the independence. It's going to be a repeat in a much hostile environment of what happened there. So there's no magic 1,200 points of a 30 uh, that says it. And I think you're right about she 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 doesn't have the beat on Trump there. If she was bouncing off a win, it would be a whole different ballpark. I mean, the problem is you're trying to beat a popular, popular guy. Uh, I, I think that it's there are going to be yeah, a lot of people in South Carolina who are going to who at this juncture would say, yeah, we like Haley. She was a she was a good governor. Uh, but we got our guy who was we think was a great president and we want him back. And in that constellation, she loses. I have seen uh, some private tracking in that state that has the race a lot closer than the public polls. And a lot of it, you know, has to do with, she has very high favorabilities in uh, South Carolina. The question is, but, but, but that's going to melt now. Can you go after Trump and have Trump 
going after you and maintain those. And uh, I think that's no. something that uh, she has to consider. So let's talk about Trump. And by the way, and then where do you go after, as you point by, out? By the now. way, if I were the Trump guys I, on the on the coastal side of the state, I'd be popping up with next time Nikki signs and stuff like that and take the mm-hmm. energy of affection for her and say she's young. We'll see her later. Yeah, that's smart. You know, I said last night before Trump spoke that uh, if it were uh, if I were him and I was his team, I'd write her out of the script. I'd just go out there and I'd say, yeah, I'd congratulate her and everybody else who ran <laughs> and uh, just t- start talking about the general election. But yeah. he, I'm sure he, that was you know, their plan. Uh, they had it written, I know. I'm sure. Th- this is what I've been saying for a while about Trump's crack operation. They're a crack operation when Trump's half asleep and 40 points ahead and happy. When he's hearing exit poll rumors in the middle of the right. day yesterday, it's, it's a four-point race. They needed a straight jacket and a falconing hood to get him back under control. And then he went out and did the most Is disgusting... that what's on his head, a falconing hood? I, 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 that's I was, my theory. They got <laughs> yeah. a big one. Yeah, they got it on an S&M website, made some modifications. You know, those guys know about that stuff. <laughs> it's so, not easy to wrap that hair around a falconing hood. Just no, FYI. no, it takes three guys and a crowbar, but they did it. <laughs> but then he showed Shook it loose and busted out. <laughs> he, he said, "Somebody sober up, you know, Vivek, my insult comic." Yeah. And you know, the human that was fly. Saturday Night Live skit. Oh, it was incredible. That's what it looked like. Let's play number four. But she ran up when it was seven, and you know we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up, and I said, "Wow, she's doing uh, like a speech, like she won. She didn't win. She lost." And you know. Last last week, we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. And then I looked at the polls. She was talking about most winnability, who's going to win. And I had one put up. I don't know if you see it, but I have one put up. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. <laughs> and she doesn't win those. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. I love that Trump is deeply offended by the the idea that somebody would lie about the outcome of an election. It proves that orange hair dye will destroy your sense of irony completely. Well, and then, then I want to play one other bite because it got a lot rawer. I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit, okay? You can't. You just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy come up. I said, what's she doing? We won. And she did the same thing last week, but he was much more angry about it than I was. I said, get up there and you let him know. We are going to win this. We have no choice. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. I do. I believe our country is finished. And then, and then there was this. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. Not big reasons. A little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about. But she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been. But he decided to get out. He decided to get out. 
I feel like we are sitting in the corner table of the Mafia restaurant. Good I God. feel like I'm hearing to a, an audio exhibit in a mental competency hearing. <laughs> well, the point is that uh, he did the opposite of what uh, what he should do. And yeah, not only was he uh, not only was the irony that he resented that she had stolen his party trick by trying to claim she won an election that she she didn't win, but he was deeply offended by bullshit and they said you can't tolerate bullshit yeah one thing he hates this is a guy who's gone pretty far on that and then he made up polls you know all the polls show her losing to biden that is an absolute bald-faced lie yeah but i mean the thing is here's you know you know you know Haley perhaps better than i do i've spent some time with her my sense is bullying her is probably not the best strategy uh because she does you know she's tough and i think she probably didn't appreciate his threats. And uh, I I don't know if that's going to make it harder for her uh, to make a decision to go. To your point, it always does make it harder, right? If this becomes sort of like a, you know, a a macho contest, it's definitely harder to get politicians that need to drop out to understand that they should drop out, right? I mean, the the notion, he, he, as you said, he did the exact opposite of what he should have done. He should have been magnanimous and he should have forgotten about her and reminded, you know, uh, not to bring bad things up. But 16 years ago, you know, two days before to the New Hampshire primary, we were up 10 points. And then a confluence of a couple of events, a bad comment in a debate. And acts you remember quite well, we're knocking on the door of the future president uh, to tell him that he's inexplicably lost New Hampshire. That Gibbs blew the race. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That was my view. He ran into two unstoppable forces of chaos. You guys, you never had a prayer. (laughs) But, but the the point is that we had a, we had a, we had a, we'd written a victory speech and in the cafeteria of the school where we gave this, the concession speech, we did one thing to it. We added a line in the first paragraph congratulating Hillary Clinton and gave the same speech. Right. And it ignored everything about the dynamics of what had just happened in New Hampshire and just set forward what the primary was going to yeah. be about. Right. Yeah. And you guys knew what you had in your back pocket, the, the southern states. Right. But that's my point about the staff. They're great at managing Trump when Trump has isn't doing anything. When Trump comes alive, they got the same Trump wrangling problem. As I'm everybody. sure they know that. Yeah, and then yeah. all the, the you know the 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 bar scene from uh, Star Wars is waiting yeah, at the back up, door, right. and they and they and they show up, and 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 you're off to the races. But to your question about Nikki, I think half of her she's a fighter. Will want to dig in and look. Yeah. It, you when she was at the UN privately, she was quite appalled by Trump. You know, because she's smart and she gets it, but she never had the political courage to do anything about it because she couldn't figure out how to do that and move the big Nikki plan forward. So I think she's going to, if she's smart, I mean, she can get in the news cycle for a couple cycles, pushing back your child and all that and entertain the world. But she really ought to think long-term versus short-term because she has a long-term ticket. If Trump becomes the disaster, he will become either losing to Biden again or disastrous midterms, disastrous presidency. She's the only major player in the party who looks like a winner who in four years will be, she warned us. So she, she should think that through if she wants to be president of the United States. On the other hand, the fun would be to go poke him in the eye and maybe only lose by 12 points in South Carolina. She'll probably wait a week and poll. 
because she's probably too smart to believe the polling now, which is pre-disaster. And that, I think, will get her looking at a soft landing in about seven to nine days, if I had to guess. Murphy, a reminder reminder that she celebrated only her 52nd birthday during this primary. So she's 12 in Republican candidate years. Yes. Going to say, I mean, if, you know, if she pushes this thing to 80, she's got, (laughs) you know, she's got seven more elections. But Gala's got the great joke. The Republicans always nominate, you know, the oldest white guy in a room who ran last time. She might break the ceiling on oldest white guy, but the double Try has worked in the party. It worked for Romney, worked for George H.W. Bush, it worked with three tries for Dull. That's what DeSantis decided. I think the calculation that both these uh, DeSantis and Haley have been making for the full year is maybe I can't make it now, but I'm going to take a shot and I still have a long career ahead of me. Right. But how do I preserve that option? By not offending the Trump people so much that I'm read out of the script. Yeah, that's the fork in the road because DeSantis is going to jump on the Trump bandwagon, dye his hair orange. His big problem is keeping Casey from going on a murder spree, you know, of Roe and all the staff, a pile of bones in their backyard. I think that is underway. But, But he's doing the suck up to Trump, which is the short term move. But long term, if the Trump franchise post disaster, the public, the party wants a reset is a lousy move. So Nikki's the one who has ability to take a little different path. She ought to endorse him for the party nominee and then go away for a year. Uh, we're see, we're see, or we can have the dramatic and I'll be rooting for last stand in South Carolina. But, uh, you know, charge the light brigade didn't turn out so well for the light brigade <laughs> for all that Trump fumbled last night uh, in the speech. He he did win his second contest in a row. Nobody in the Republican side has won Iowa, New Hampshire no, together. Not incumbent, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so and, and even if you dive into the exit polling, and there's a lot of different numbers on this, but I was struck by the fact that sixty-five percent of this of this New Hampshire electorate was non-MAGA. But if yeah. you ask those non-MAGA electorate, you know, more than half, sixty percent of them are going to be okay with Trump as a nominee. So the challenge Republican Party has is they've got a virtually unstoppable race to the nomination and these blaring warning signs around independent voters for what Donald Trump brings to a general election. And so, you know, it is, you know, you're about to be in a car accident and you can't stop it is sort of, I feel like we're Republican. That's sort of what Haley's been trying to say in the final stanzas of this campaign, but they always get better after they're dead. You know, it's just like the <laughs> Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Gibbs, I know you always run hot, so this is an important message for you. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? Did you know that? I did know that. Oh, okay. Well, if you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets inspired by nasa and you know those folks know their stuff yeah miracle made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long and you know those astronauts need to get their rest so they must know their stuff wow let's talk a little bit about that stuff axe the self-cooling properties of this better quality sleep uses silver infused fabrics as axe said inspired by nasa miracle made sheets are Thermoregulating, designed to keep you at a perfect temperature and acts all night long. So 
You get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with that silver and they prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer. So no more gross odors. They're comfortable. They're luxurious. They come without that high price tag that other luxury brands do and some of the sheets that you see in five-star hotels. And they're designed for your skin. So stop sleeping on bacteria acts. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash hacks to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code HACKS at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident, Axe, in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash HACKS and use the code HACKS to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash hacks to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. There are other numbers in here that are cautionary and go to your uh, point. I mean, you know, a two-thirds, uh, I'm sorry, a third of the voters here, more than a third, uh, wait, let me find this sheet here that I was looking at before. Yeah, Trump fit for the presidency if he's convicted. Uh, the Republicans in the primary said 73% yes, but 25% said no. Uh, and on the uh, question of do you think Biden legitimately won in 2020, uh, among Republicans, 32% said yes. That's a universe. Those two numbers say to me there is a universe of people who are Republicans or Republican-leaning independents, who uh, some number of whom just may not vote for Donald Trump. That's why I've been predicting somebody could take him out in New Hampshire. She just became more of a vessel for the Indies than a, a somebody who moved that Republican number from that she got from twenty something. You know, depending on what exit weighting you believe, up to forty, and then she would have would have beat him. But uh, he's the nominee. There's only one question left in American politics, and we're going to be talking about it a lot. How the hell do we fix Joe Biden and stop this madman from getting to the Oval Office? That's it. Just one other point on New Hampshire. I mean, you know, New Hampshire in its in its best days is a swing general election state. Yeah, even tilts anti now, anti-R. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting that despite, and I think he said the opposite of this on the stage last night, I know everyone's shocked, you know, he lost this state in 2016 to Hillary Clinton. He lost this state in 2020 to Joe Biden. You know, again, if you're Nikki Haley, I'd be making that case, right? To your point, Murphy, if you're going to exit stage right uh, at some point and preserve it, you know, go out with a bang that says he just he's, he can't win because that's what's likely to be proved as true. Just as a complete aside, you know who probably was quietly rooting for a change in the trajectory of this Republican race is Kelly Ayad, who's running for governor there, yeah, and uh, probably isn't looking forward to Trump being on the on the top of the ticket. But yeah, these are big. Trump is a colossus astride the Republican landscape. Now he has to step outside, and the world's a lot less forgiving uh, outside of that. I think you know one of the downsides of the race ending so early is 
right now he's the Harlem Globetrotters beating the Washington Generals every week, you know, and, you know, he just beats up on people and uh, looks big and strong and that's gone now. And he's, he's, he's out in the, he's out in the real world. Not that he doesn't, you know, this is going to be a very competitive race because of Biden's own vulnerabilities, but he may look back at these days with great warmth and nostalgia. Yeah, I agree. It's been the easiest thing. And, uh, it, now the general election is going to begin. We're, we're spending a week or two wiggling around South Carolina. Reporters want to get some barbecue, but, uh, now it really begins. Shrimp and grits. And look, South Carolina is a great and colorful place, particularly in Republican politics. I mean, I worked there with Fritz Hollings. I'll tell my very quick favorite story because you'll see this person pop up throughout the next two weeks. I know where you're going. Henry McMaster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Henry McMaster is now the governor and now at two, Henry. Yes. Who's who's now the uh, now the governor and was has been the party chair before I worked for him. A great old politician named Fritz Hollings. Uh, was in a debate running for re-election against one Henry McMaster. And one of Henry McMaster's big things, this was during the House banking scandal and and all this stuff. And and the big thing running around Republican politics is politicians ought to take drug tests. And Henry McMaster in a debate said to Fritz Hollings that he should take a drug test and release the results. And Fritz Hollings said to Henry, I'll take a drug test and release the results if you take an IQ test and release the results. <laughs> Let's just say this. Henry didn't take an IQ test. <laughs> well, you don't, you remember the old Hollings line to Sam Donaldson, who was giving Fritz hell about wearing a suit he bought in Hong Kong. And Hollings turned and said, well, Sam, you're going to get personal. Where'd you get that rug? <laughs> yes. Where, where did you get that rug? Who made that rug on top of your head? I was told quickly when I got hired, never tell Fritz Hollings a joke. You don't want him to tell on national television. So the irony uh, of the McMaster thing and, and the Nikki Haley yeah. situation is she, he is the sole reason that she was in the Trump administration. Henry McMaster was uh, her sponsor uh, to get to because Henry was the lieutenant governor and he wanted to be governor. And Trump says, what do you want? And he says, I want you to find a job for Nikki Haley. And, you know, Haley had been virulently anti-Trump. She wouldn't speak at the convention. Uh, and uh, uh, she got to be U.N. ambassador because of Henry McMaster. Well, I'll tell you, I, I know that political culture in the Republican world down there, and it's a lot of knife to the juggler and nothing yeah. personal. It's yeah. business. And Haley has performed that way, which is why there are very few South Carolina inside players who are for her on this campaign. Yes. Her staff is mostly non-South Carolinian. You see poor Tim Scott standing behind Trump. Yeah, Scott was so, oh, God, the Stefanik prize. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, sitting there mugging for the camera. She appointed him, of course, to the Senate seat he holds now. And it just, yeah, I, I, there's nobody who Trump has, displayed him like a pelt last yeah. night and, and humiliated him by saying, oh, you know, she appointed you and now you're for me. You must really hate her. Yeah, and, yeah. And, no, and, it was, and, it was uh, horrible. Tim Scott, who's like, not a hateful guy. I had to run up to the microphone and say, no, no, I just love you. Yeah, no, it was disgusting. You know, I think it broke the heart of a lot of people who had a high opinion of Tim Scott before this. And, of course, Trump is, there's a whole dimension to it that in the modern era I can't speculate on. Uh, but it was, uh, it was very, very bad. So uh, let's talk about Biden. You know, he's, he, he uh, set up a system 
to eliminate Iowa and New Hampshire, which were unfriendly to him in uh, 2020. He finished fourth and fifth in those states. Decided to start the race in South Carolina, which basically launched him toward the presidency in uh, in 2020 with a large black population. And so the party rules that he orchestrated made it penalized candidates for participating in the New Hampshire primary. So he couldn't participate in the New Hampshire primary. Along comes Dean Phillips, the congressman from Minnesota, who saw himself as a modern-day Eugene McCarthy, uh, you know, who challenged Lyndon Johnson and forced him out of the race by doing well in New Hampshire. And uh, and at the urging of some uh, venal, scheming political consultants, was persuaded that uh, he like could who, get in. Like who, David? <laughs> I'm, I'm not mentioning any I names. I will. Steve Schmidt, after hustling the coffee egomaniac, tried the same grift here, and now I'm happy to see he's back behind the counter at Quiznos where he belongs. This thing was a, was a money-grubbing caper extraordinaire, and they couldn't even break 25% against nobody. That was Mike Murphy's victory night speech right there. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> and another thing, I've got Vikram Ramaswamy here to say a few words. Yeah, I mean, Phillips spent over $5 million and got 19 19- percent of the vote against a candidate who couldn't couldn't campaign and didn't but i think it is ironic that they ran a really uh jim demers and the folks up there gibbs who you know rallied and did a write-in campaign and then someone uh put a, a million and a half into a super pack up there they sent out 14 mail pieces telling people how to vote uh right in but they crushed him by better than uh better than three to one i I've, i think 73 percent is what they yeah Ended up with so the the great irony of that thing is that uh, the writing campaign that he couldn't participate in seemed more organized than the campaign that he's actually running. Well, they had the great advantage that Biden never campaigned in New Hampshire. You know, so but you guys are tough. I was just going to say, right? Well, one of the statistics just to get us back on the in, in at least play playing on both sides of this, um, you know that uh, that Biden got more as a non candidate in in this race than we got in 2012 in new hampshire uh with obama's re-election now granted the state's obviously gotten bigger so some of that may not be a huge surprise um but i think the real the real interesting test on a primary scale comes in 10 days because as you mentioned that south carolina primary is now you know it's it's now not part of the republican side right it's freestanding it's February 3rd. I think a lot of people are going to be watching, particularly black vote and particularly older black vote, uh, to see what type of dynamic Biden gets uh, and what that means for a general election. Just as Trump has struggled with independent voters, we've seen black vote softening, younger vote yes, softening yeah, yeah. for Biden. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, in in Richland County, which is Columbia. Uh, you know, in and around Jim Clyburn's district in South Carolina State, what happens over in, you know, the black sections of the PD and down into Charleston, what does all that mean for the health of Joe Biden's Democratic candidates? Yeah, that's a good point. The other uh, element of this that uh, pertains to the previous discussion we had is if, you know, you can as independents participate in either party primary. You can't participate in both. Democratic primary comes first. To the extent that Biden gets uh, uh, independent voters to come and participate in the Democratic primary, uh, those people can't participate in the Republican primary. One more small... Democrats either. 
Democrats can't either. Right. So if they if they were trying to rig this, right, 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 run one more barrier for uh, for Haley if she's in in this uh, in this uphill fight. But it's over. I mean, if we step back, what counts now is the general election, and the press is going to start that in a week. So how does Biden square up with Trump? Biden put and, out a statement last night, and he made a couple of moves that. I Literally, we're long overdue. Yes, uh, yes. Jen O'Malley Dillon, who's been his deputy White House chief of staff, who managed the campaign in 2020 and did a great job. Who we know from the uh, from the Obama campaigns, a really, really proficient campaign technician. She'd been basically doing two jobs, uh, which is overseeing the campaign from the White House and. Uh, Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations, which is Gibbs knows, is a really, really consuming job. And this, so uh, they sensibly finally said to her, we need you over at the campaign and she's going. And Mike Donilon, who we all know, uh, who is the sort of message guru, the campaign strategist, uh, message strategist, is now moving full time to the campaign. These are long overdue moves and it is helpful that those folks are now fully engaged in the campaign and, and uh, are 100%. shedding their White House duties. So I thought that was a positive statement. But will anything change? Because they're White House generals becoming campaign generals. You know, yes. so incremental improvement is likely in the mechanics of things. Yes. But strategically, will anything change? Because something's got to. I agree with that as well. But, you know, we, I know we were on the Secret Text channel uh, arguing about this just yesterday. I, I, I agree with you. I don't know. This doesn't. This doesn't fix his approval rating. It doesn't fix how people are viewing the economy. But look, White House Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations is a job and a half on any day. Right. 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 And so, and, and and Donald is obviously the voice of, of Joe Biden. I think the idea now that Wilmington doesn't have to call Washington to make right. any level of decision is going to make the operation of that campaign a lot better. And look, this is a campaign that's going to be different than 2020, right? This is... You're going to have events. You're going to have active campaigning. This isn't going to be, you know, COVID dominated, God willing. And so I think having an apparatus that's distinct, actually, you've argued this. Apparently, our old boss argued this if you read the front page of the Washington Post. And, and we set this up in 2012. You have to have an apparatus that is distinct, even if there are people in the White House and Pluff certainly let his opinion be known on things that were important in the campaign. But you can't sit in Washington and make all the decisions in Chicago or all the decisions in Wilmington. It just there's not enough time in the day. There's also collaboration that goes on when you're under one roof. Yes. That just doesn't happen if you're not. Let's stop for a minute and listen to a word from one of our fine sponsors. So, Gibbs, I've tried supplements in the past i know they're important for your health but they've always tasted sort of weird and i i finally heard about a supplement that tastes great and literally goes in your coffee and it's called for wellness you know who i heard it from who's that from our own producer hannah mcdonald hannah tell us about your experience with for wellness because you've been raving about the stuff i put it in my coffee and it tastes amazing and i feel so much better and how and you you like coffee right so does it change the taste of your coffee? I would say it enhances the taste of my coffee while I receive all of these awesome benefits. Excellent. There you go. For Wellness is a functional food brand with a unique range of snacks and supplements that are designed to help you get the most out of your mind and body. Their best-selling product, which Hannah just talked about, it's called The Good Stuff. 
It's a performance coffee supplement that supercharges the natural benefits of your coffee with just one scoop. Axe, you should try this. Enjoy better focus, reduce the caffeine jitters, increase your collagen, and support fat burning with the power of the good stuff's five key ingredients. So you take this stuff and you're like a collagen graduate. For Wellness was founded by world-renowned performance coach Dave Phillips, who has worked with some of the world's highest-performing athletes because he saw his athletes struggling with their health and in need of a simple, delicious way to get functional ingredients into their daily routines. Now Dave's bringing this unique insight from the pro sports world to you with For Wellness. Hannah's been drinking this in her coffee with the good stuff every morning. She loves the taste and she feels the difference. And most importantly, For Wellness offers a 60-day money-back guarantee. So literally, what do you have to lose, Axe? You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. So if you drink coffee, it's time to give For Wellness a try. Head to forwellness.com slash hacks and use code hacks for 25% off your order. Once again, that's forwellness.com backslash hacks for how much off, Gibbs? 25% off and make sure you use the promo code hacks so they know we sent you. The fundamental issues are message issues, and they need to resolve those. You know, they went out on democracy. Yesterday, they did an event on abortion rights, um, which, by the way, was disrupted by protesters, uh, war protesters, which I think they're going to face on every campus until the situation in the Middle East is uh, is resolved. But And that's a whole separate set of issues. Uh, but they can't view the campaign as a series of tactical issues. Exactly. And they need not to ignore the fact that people have concerns about Biden's age. And I, I think they have to engage that directly and acknowledge it, but also make clear that this, you know, each of these guys are old and each have liabilities. And the question is, who offers the greatest assets to uh, people who are concerned about the future, concerned about their kids? And, you know, I'm still waiting for that. I worry a bit that they're a bit too tactical and not strategic in their messaging and the message is not consistent and it's not being delivered by the battery of surrogates that Murphy keeps calling for led by Gina Raimondo. The great one. Do you want me to make Everybody Chicago drink. a joke too, just to get your, <laughs> no, I'm saving that for the big, the big finish. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I think they've got a lot of work to do. I hope they don't think that democracy and abortion rights are sort of magic bullets that, solve all their problems they're they're not i don't think they've figured out the ballot question what's the election about what do right. you what happens with me what happens with him motives that's the big narrative yeah i'm waiting for that and also i think biden can get a little feistier there's always a tendency in presidential campaigns to do mount olympus but they're running against a crooked condominium salesman from queens and who communicates in total insult vernacular and biden wasn't want to be that guy but i don't mind a biden quip of look it's true i'm old but he's crazy and old yeah. boom just a few of those let biden get into the scrap a little because if he comes out on top of one he's suddenly 10 years younger in perception I think two things that that bear some repeating as to what's happened in the last week. The one point to your to yours, Murphy, is 
Donald Trump's had some real senior moments on the campaign trail in the last week. Totally. He makes Biden look like Einstein. I mean, all of a sudden, <laughs> Nikki Haley is Nancy Pelosi. Um, yeah. There's just, I mean, you've seen even the, I mean, even the Biden campaign's tweeting out some of his quotes saying, we don't know what he means either. So I think there's, and, and I will say this, I think that the media finally caught on to this in a way that they haven't really caught on to. I agree. Before. It's turning, which is good. They ought to yeah. throw gas on that from the Biden side. The second thing, and, and look, we don't know. We don't know where this lands, but you know, consumer confidence has increased in the last two months in a way that yeah. it hasn't done since the end of the Persian Gulf War. Yeah. For you listeners, Google that out there. That's 1991, not in 2004, 2005. So almost maybe more than three decades since that number happened. Does that end up over the course of time? It's not going to be instantaneous. Right. Does that save September and October? Because yes, they feel it. exactly. And there's a shot if it keeps going. That's the best news. These stats are always, uh, they, the voter sentiment lags these stats. That's been the history Challenge. of these things. The yeah. question is whether people give Biden, you know, the, the, the dilemma they've got right now is because of these questions about his age, his stamina, his acuity, people tend to not give him credit for good things that happen and Give him all the credit for the bad things that happen, and uh, and how you how you get people associated with it may just be that the change in mood will help him. I still, you know, I saw Chris Coons on uh, the center from Delaware, great guy, on uh, on TV on Sunday, and he was working from the same old script, which is you know the statistics are you know these are incredible, and you know, and it's like how many times. Do, 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 do they need to learn? You cannot jawbone people into feeling what they don't feel. You know, you have to, you can guide them there. But if you try and do not turn every day into report card day. Yeah, grab their lapels. Listen, idiot, don't you know that foreign exports yeah. are up 2% just at per? No, no. What, what they know is the economy is creeping back. If it continues, they could have a much better September, October. So be Kreskin. Tell the future a little. We're doing the hard work. We're seeing the results are coming. But here's the real deal. Who's for who? I'm for the middle class Trumps for himself. Here's what you get at the end. And then get the world's greatest victory lap ready for when it counts after Labor Day, when people believe it's true, rather than telling them now, you know, uh, uh, that you're wrong. It's just, it's bad marketing. And I... The stakes are so high; they got to get this right. My worry, Murphy, is they're waiting. They're waiting six weeks until the State of the Union. Yeah, I wouldn't have that mentality if I were them. They're behind. I, I just think if there's some plausible explanation for it, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a good one. But I think you'll have the largest political audience of the year, minus the debates, yeah. listening to that. It's speech. a huge day. It's a big, big moment in a world that some these moments have become less big because of our polarization and just the overall media environment. The reason this is so important isn't just because it's a chance for him to, uh, on a big stage, to deliver the message in a coherent way. Uh, it's also uh, that this is not just a state of the state, a state of the union speech. It's a state of the president's speech. La a year ago, That's he really point. performed yeah. well in that speech. If he can repeat what he did a year ago and people see him engaged, lively, uh, in the moment, 
in addition to delivering a message that speaks to them, it could be a really important thing for him in sort of beginning to change the narrative. Uh, and I know that they've been working hard on this for months and months. Yes, but on the other way, it, the leverage could go the other way, too. I mean, I think the thing on the wall to be great, we have the 92-page plan and all that, and the president's going to want to claim credit for the best Thanksgiving in 11 years, except for the other three. But half the speech coverage is going to be, how old does he look? And so they need the right self-deprecating thing. They ought to go to the Reagan playbook a little on that. And this ought to be a very friendly thing because it's the performance is in some ways going to be even more important than the normally hugely important content. Yeah, I, I agree. And they ought to build a speech to maybe his reduced ability rather than say, all right, here's some coffee. You can do it. You know, they, this needs some real thinking and a special fitting for him now who he is. Well, you know, Axe, and we'll get more into this as we get close to the State of the Union, the, the, to fight the bureaucracy in that building and around Washington, they should want to make this, a, to your point, a thematic speech and a narrative speech yes. and not a, a, not a, and not an yeah, 86 Not a list. Yeah, a 96 or 86-minute speech. We're like, yeah. we're going to do this at the Department yeah. of Interior. Yeah. We're going to do this at the Department the of Coast Commerce. The Coast Guard has gonna... gone to lead-free paint under my prettier <laughs> ships initiative. Murphy, you got to appreciate it. When you work in the White House and you're involved in the speech process, I mean, you want to get you want to get an, a burner phone because yeah, they're all calling you to get their programming. Uh, you're, you're you're being yeah. blown up by everybody in the whole bureaucracy trying yeah. to get one sentence in the speech. They live to get that one line pet program, yeah. and I mean, right, right. the fights over this are just legion. You know, it's just like incredible. So they've got to resist that, and Biden's own impulse to want uh, to want to cl- uh, you know uh, extol his own. No, it's to grab the lapels thing. Listen, idiots, yeah, here's what I yeah. did for you. You owe me a vote. And it's all wrong. One other thing I think it look bears a lot of watching it clearly as we get into this general election and is is what states do third party candidates qualify for the ballot? Who are those yeah. candidates? I think you know, it, it, you know just this morning uh I think the the Robert Kennedy Jr. campaign announced that their super PAC raised almost 6 million dollars uh last night at his 70th birthday celebration which makes him a little younger um but also that they had gathered uh according to them enough signatures uh only 3000 needed but required to get his name on the ballot in New Hampshire so there's a big dynamic that's that's going to happen i think what's really going to be telling is not all the people that want to run as third party candidates but all the people that both want to run and have the apparatus to gather the signatures and actually qualify for those ballots. Right. And and uh, I think, you know, Kennedy's campaign has signaled that they're concentrating on the battleground states. Uh, so, uh, right. you know, that that is going to be a big factor in this campaign. We've said it before. Trump has a high floor and a low ceiling. And if you lower the threshold enough, it uh, changes the dynamic. Yeah. Makes it uh, easier for him. And so obvious that it it uh, hardly needs saying but so that we do that a lot here it's our bread and butter <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know remember an umbrella in the rain write that down it's, folks. it's a hell of a lot easier to be a challenger when people are unhappy than it is to be an incumbent 
And Biden yeah. had the wind at his back in the in 2020, and now he's got the wind in his face. So, though this is a weird one because you have two incumbents, people want to fire running against each other. But you know yes. what? The, the the last incumbent. It is incredible the degree to which people have selective memory. Oh, no, no. I, look, you could see it in all the data. Trump's better in the economy. I'm for Trump. And Biden's got to move that damn number by Election Day. There was a lot of discussion last night about how Trump is now the establishment candidate. That is absolutely wrong. Trump has conquered the establishment. He's healed Again. the establishment on Again. his terms. But he is still viewed as an insurgent. And he is yes. in, he's in viewed as an anti-establishment insurgent at a time when people are really restive and unhappy with the status quo so that you know that makes him uh that makes him dangerous in this race uh you know we'll see what happens it could be this whole thing turns on what happens in in a courtroom and whether there's actually a trial in 2000 and i mean it's clear from these numbers in these first two contests that they're going to be some really concerned voters i don't think but in the numbers that are mentioned here but a lot of voters are going to be concerned if he is convicted he will spin it as he spun everything else we're going from a world where the trial has helped him in a partisan republican world yes to the world where it's going to the general election and the real story of new hampshire was the general election thrusting its way into the Republican primary to poke at Trump a little. That's where that Nikki vote came from. All right, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. And now a word from our sponsors. So, hey, I have a quick announcement for you patriots out there. As you boys know, Gibbs and Axelrod, I'm a good Detroit-born car nut. I My lifetime average is six miles per gallon. Burned a lot of dinosaur juice, but I've become a nut for electric cars. I like not paying the house of sod. They're quiet. They're really fast. Mechanically, they're brilliantly designed. Fewer moving parts, less maintenance. Nothing not to like. They are the future. And if we don't get our act together, the Chinese are going to make all of them. And uh, that's not good for America. So I am tired. I'm sick and tired. And the great Bill Needle tradition for you SCTV fans. Tell it. Yeah, exactly. To preach it here. Of all the Republican bashing of EVs, unfortunately, electric vehicles have become tribalized. And they're too important. So along with the pollster who brought the Rolling Stones to Alabama, Robert, the great Dr. David Hill, another Auburn man, uh, we've done some polling and we set up the EV politics project to look at why there's a tribal division over EVs, what the drivers are, and how we can overcome it. So just go check all this out. It's a lot of fun. A lot of stuff there. A quiz you can take to get through all the disinformation. We have a merch store with some modeling photos we're going to get from Axelrod and Gibbs here once the two XLs come in. Uh, we, we got we got all kinds of stuff going. So check it out at <laughs> evpolitics.org, evpolitics.org, or on Twitter or X or whatever the hell Elon calls it now which is at EV Politics USA. I'm going to be doing a lot in this space, and we're going to be going into the swing states where there has been billions of investments and tens and tens of thousands of new American manufacturing jobs thanks to all the investment in EVs. Robert's nodding a lot because he's a commie Tesla driver. I'm a CCS non-Tesla driver. But wherever your EV, we even have hats, EV Republicans, which is our second best seller because there are a lot of us out there. Time to stand up and push back for the future. 
Bless you. Bless you, Father. Now, you're still driving the Aztec, right? Listen, I'm going to get in on this deal. The great news for our listeners is that Mike Murphy has promised uh, an electric vehicle for all of our listeners. So if you want one, contact him at murphymike at gmail.com. Come on down to Murphy Motors where everybody gets a major discount deal. I'll tell you what, in the name of Axelrod, if you go to the merch store and want to get your EV Republican t-shirt or our hat or our bestseller, I own an EV, I like it, and I vote, just type in at checkout, Axelrod, and you'll get a 10% discount. There you go. See? (laughs) See? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, guys. It's going to be a fun project, and we're going to maybe do a spinoff podcast, and you can... Come on in and talk about your own EV experiences. Now, actually, I remember you used to have a Pontiac Aztec, just like Walter White. You're the only guy I know who had one. Uh, so we're going to move you to an EV. We got Robert, and uh, you're next. We have our sights on you. I've been in hybrids for years, so I'm, I'm moving I'm moving Middle over of the there. road. That's good. Step in the right direction. I was say, just, just to be clear, Murphy, before I drove a Tesla in 2011, I bought a Chevy Volt. That's with a V. Yeah, you're old school. Yeah, I remember. It's a good car. I love that car. There isn't a better place to promote this project than here because we've been operating on hot air for years here. (laughs) So we are an environmentally sound, environmentally sound podcast. Anyway, fellas, good to be with you. I'll see. We'll see you next week. On to South Carolina. And uh, yeah, onward, onward. All right. Thank you all. See you guys.